night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney So I miss the practice. There was no TiVo. What could I do? <laughs> Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Can you believe we've been renewed for season six? Out of practice. New season. Old, familiar, depression. And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. I can't believe it, but we are up to season six. It is season six, episode one, the season premiere. Everything is different. If you're on YouTube, we've updated all of the graphics, but we promise to bring the mediocrity you know and respect all the way to the end of the series. That's right. We, we, uh, as much as things have changed, they've stayed the same. If you've got two plus hours to waste every mm. week, we will be here in your ear slots to uh, ear do, slots to do disturbing things to them. That is a promise and a guarantee from me to you. Wow that that got that got uncomfortable really fast. I mean, we're what thirty seconds into this. Yeah, you know, Keith, I recognized that uh, last season our overlay graphic for what we call the two-shot here yes. uh, was basically my disembodied head onto a uh, layer of Bobby's body. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. this season, it appears as though I'm going to be tempted to do this <laughs> all season long. <laughs> wow. Bobbing for Bobbies, apparently. Yes, that's what's happening. Bobbing for... It's very pc <laughs> and G-rated bobbing for bobbies. Wow. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I uh I always like put something stupid over your graphic, but this <laughs> this one might be my favorite so far. <laughs> Listen, we can't waste any time. We're doing our first ever two-parter, Keith. Yeah, well, it's actually a one-parter, but it's double length. So it is a it is a a series first for the practice. It is a very uh it's a special event. Season one, or season six, episode one, The Candidate, is a two-hour mini-movie of the practice. So, Wait, you said wow. an hour and a half. Well, two hours, including commercials. Oh, okay, okay. I, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because 90 minutes of the practice is like two and a half hours of us. So, uh, yeah, no, it's... So what we're going to do this week uh, is we are actually going to split this uh, for your sanity into part one and part two. So uh, this YouTube actually won't premiere until part two is out because we don't want to give away the oopsies. Uh, So if you were listening to this and uh, halfway through the episode, we just stop. Well, that's why. We will pick up again next week with the second half with part two of The Candidate. 
for those of you who can't wait and are listening to our nonsense in part one, uh, you're gonna have to like get all the cool visuals next week if you're. It's gonna be a little asynchronous, but there's no real way around that. So, well, uh, yeah, and let me tell you how important all of this is. The yeah. amount of text we sent back trying to figure out how to do this, and like <laughs> no one cares. It's utterly <laughs> pointless. Keith, were you able to watch uh, the, the the oopsies last week? The oopsies spectacular. Did you were you able to catch it on the flip? I saw some of it. Would Good I say enough. that I that I watched the whole thing? Well, no, no, I, nobody I was watches there. the whole thing. Nobody <laughs> watches the whole thing. You just saw Jen in the beginning. Yeah, oh, I saw Jen, and Jen was amazing. Yeah, can I embarrass her for a second? I please. She's so mad. So great. Um, Let's do some damage to your marriage. I wrote some copy for her. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just indicative of who my wife is. So yes. I, I wrote some copy for her. And we decided this year we we're going to do a spoof on getting renewed rather than last year we did the red carpets, uh, right. mostly because la even that small bit of uh, VFX last year was just too much time. So I, I was like, what can I do against a static green screen and just mm -hmm. put her in an office building? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I wrote the copy. I then brought her in. And so that she didn't have to do any work, I said, here's how I want, here's a line reading. Now. Oh, great. A line reading as uh, for those in the biz is basically when a director and nobody likes this, but some but it does save time on occasion. When a director, uh, <laughs> the just, director justifies his line reading by Mike and uh, uh, the, the director basically is like, look, rather than you come up with your take and then us meeting in the middle, I'm just going to tell you, do it. I'm going to just tell you exactly how it should sound line for line and just repeat that. So I did that for her. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then I started the camera and I said, okay, clap between takes and uh, come get me when you're done. Keith, 30 minutes of takes. <laughs> no. 30 minutes of takes. She was trying different characters. She was trying to hold, she was like trying to find who CEO Jen was gonna be. And then I, and then I said, you know, CEO Jen's already been on the show and she was just you. You know, in uh. our, in the non-canon epi lost episode, Right, right. So then she did one extra take, uh huh, and that's the one we used. Uh, <laughs> I would really love to meet all the other characters that uh -huh. CEO Jen could have been, though. Like, I, I, I want to see those. Yeah. Well, what's best is that when I gave her the line rating, half an hour we had nothing. When I just told her what I wanted, one take. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, she's good at being Jen, and you're not. Yeah, that's, the, that's right. Turns that's out she's issue. a pro. She's yeah. a pro, Jen. She is a pro. So I, I feel like we should commemorate, uh, we are recording this on the 13th of March, mm -hmm. that this is the one-year anniversary of the shutdown. And I was, I, I was, I had a, had a meeting with my producers yesterday and was talking to them about it because Today, the 13th, exactly one year ago today, was going to be this big reading I had set up of a new musical that I'm working on. And it was going to be like the biggest career moment of at least the last decade, possibly my life. And Broadway shut down the afternoon of the 12th. So less than 12 hours before my reading was going to happen, uh the Broadway shutdown and I had to cancel the reading, which was devastating. And they, and they were saying, well, we were going to go to your reading and then we were going to go straight from there to the invited dress 
of the Broadway play that they were going to start performances of the next day, uh, Plaza Suite. So uh, it is definitely a a crazy, uh, like it, it's a date that will live in infamy for for a lot of the country, I think, um, the 12th and 13th. And of course, Jillian's show didn't shut down and for another three oh, right. days, which is why we all got COVID. So... Yeah, we had just flown on the 10th. We came back from Myrtle Beach right. celebrating her big uh, birthday. And it was scary because, you know, we had gone down there thinking, eh, who knows? And then on the flight back, everybody was like panicking. And so we got home. I remember texting with you explicitly and you asking me yeah. what you, you thought was the best course of action. And us being who we are, we both quickly had the same thought, which was like, you just can't do it, dude. You can't do it. Yeah. Um, which was the right move. I still think was the right move. I uh, wouldn't have, what would the difference have been, I guess? No, no, it, it was we absolutely couldn't. It would have been irresponsible to do the reading. And like, I knew it already. I mean, it's it, like, I, I, <laughs> I asked for a lot of advice and it, it was a hard thing for me to do. But at the same time, I was like hoarding food above my fridge for like two weeks previous to that. I knew I knew what was coming and I was just hoping to get in under the under the wire. But that would have been a selfish move. Uh so Yeah, that's you know, it. I think, you know, well, I'll speak for the show real quick. It, it's crazy the year we've had. Uh, it, despite this sort of huge just juggernaut of a issue that shared experience that we had globally. Yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Um you know that year that year even especially even on the podcast we both completely changed uh where we live yeah. we both entered our 40th year which has had some d at least definite physical and mostly psychosomatic <laughs> uh effect upon yeah. us yeah it's uh, a lot of things have changed and uh, it's it'll be a year i never forget i will say you know we've been talking about mental health a lot lately for me, what I'm finding really interesting that I'm dealing with is that, you know, as uh, people are getting vaccinated and the weather has been improving and uh, I'm finding a lot of triggers and, and, and everybody's kind of commemorating this one year anniversary and people mm -hmm. in our profession are really getting itchy to be like, uh, here's what's next. Here's what's coming. Uh, yeah. We got to get back on the, the horse. And while I'm like, I think just really gun shy to put the cart before the horse and say, let's just mm -hmm. open every, let's do this thing because we're so close to being at a good place. Right. I, I feel like right. why, why rush it and ruin it right now? But I think what is a little bit lost in the shuffle is that, you know, if you didn't write the great, the next great American novel during this past year, or you didn't uh, practice your monologues or get your career in order or update your LinkedIn, if you just bit your, fingernails and watched everything on Netflix, I think that's okay. I think right now there's a lot of like people needing, projecting what they accomplished and like how prepared they are, especially people in our business I'm speaking for. I'm seeing this yeah, on social media yeah. a lot being like, here are my new headshots and I lost all this weight. And you know, any person who lost weight and got in shape during this year, Fuck I, don't, you. I, don't, I don't trust it. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be skeptical of you. Right, I'm gonna. I'm what kind gonna of a be, sociopath are you? <laughs> I'm gonna look for the people who got a little bit chubbier because you're—they're the kind of people I'm gonna connect with. So here's so, my question: How do you feel about people who got a lot bit chubbier? 
Well, uh, I'm wearing my favorite red pants that I realized right now in this moment I have to throw away because the hole in the crotch from just my expanding this is no longer acceptable. <laughs> Before it was like cool. You're expanding this. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting is that, like, I personally speaking, uh, this started yesterday for me. I've actually um, just taken all social media off my devices. I need hmm. to sort of just be away from other people talking about themselves for a little while. As I say on my podcast that people, I understand- We talk get, about ourselves for three don't hours. Don't get me wrong, I get the hypocrisy. <laughs> I'm just stating that I need to take a step back for a little bit, I, which is something I wouldn't have done in my 20s and 30s. Like, mm. as I'm getting older, I'm realizing that like, when I, look, I'm a grumpy person. That's just the way it is. You it, know that, it, that's why we're it's friends. It's true, it's true. But when I start feeling a little bit embittered and like, not not being able to uh, feel love and and compassion for my for my pals, it's not a great place to be. So I'm I'm taking a little bit of a reboot here, folks. That's what I'm saying. I think that's perfectly valid. And and I I, I think your point about uh, how much have you accomplished in this crazy year being not that important, I think is, is very true. Cause I was, I was actually having this discussion yesterday because feeling that like, I, I feel like I didn't accomplish as much as I would have normally on paper to have like a year off and do basically nothing for a year. You'd think I would have, I have written a ton of stuff and I, and I haven't, I mean, I've, I've written some things, but like not nearly as much as I normally would. And I, and I think that that's okay because the psychological effects of what we went through are going to affect affect that. And and like some people write when they're miserable. I don't. Mm-hmm. I write when I'm hopeful. Yeah. And and it's very hard to manufacture that when you're feeling so uncertain. So yeah, whatever, whatever you got. Uh yeah. congratulations. If on you getting did nothing other year. than listen to 66 hours of Keith and I talk, you know what? That's cool. 66 we did a lot more than that (laughs) yeah that's a good point last week was really not or two weeks ago anyway keith shall we jump in we've got a lot to talk about and then we've got a hell of an episode to watch i we sure do all right well let's start with wait (laughs) i've I've already forgotten we haven't even taken any time off and i've already forgotten what does come next but now i've recalled so let's try that again (laughs) ah yes well off our break of no time, we're a little rusty. Let's do. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Well, we actually have two weeks of filings and subpoenas, so I'm going to go through this quickly. Uh, first off, our moderator, Phoenix Cage, weighs in with, Are you serious? Mike and I have the same middle name? This is starting to get eerie. All right, so I have I have, I have a new theory. I have a new... Uh, Conspiracy theory. Okay, so here it is. Phoenix is not just Tom Brady and your mom and my brother... Phoenix is Mike Indeglio. Uh, it's coming from within the pod. <laughs> uh, also, uh, our good friend Jorge Navoa said, uh, 
they made, and this is talking about the season finale of season five, they made two Boston Public references, and you didn't take that as a cue to play the you're not supposed to notice reprise. Uh, I absolutely screwed that up. Uh, Jorge, I deeply apologize. So, uh, yeah, no, that was absolutely an opportunity that we missed. Phoenix also says, that was trippy. It went also about the the crossover backwards, whatever the heck you would call that. That was trippy. It went from being a TV show to having characters dropped in the middle of a bunch of drama, then back to being a TV show. So was the crossover actually Eleanor's dream? Or Or did her subconscious write fan fiction after she fell asleep watching it? That, you know, uh, hold on, you deserve this too. Conspiracy theory. That's very interesting, Phoenix, because you could actually kind of use that for both crossovers, especially Mm -hmm. the Gideon's crossover crossover, because it's essentially treated as Mm non-canon. So perhaps it was Eleanor's, like, fever dream while she was in pregnancy distress. I kind of like it. I kind of like it too. I think I might buy it. I think maybe, I think that might be the It's canon. more plausible. Than, it's way more plausible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We're going to declare that out of practice canon that the crossovers in season five were all hallucinated by a baby drunk Eleanor. Does is that inclusive of our podcast episode? Like she dreamed up some random podcast where like we just like enacted a lost episode? Oh, that wasn't a dream. That was a nightmare. <laughs> that was definitely whatever they were shooting up that IV. <laughs> that was like she did not get the good stuff. She got the generic. <laughs> That's how you ended up with us. <laughs> All right, continuing forth, uh, Phoenix. <laughs> thank helpfully. Wrote, start comment. This is for me. Keith, this is a reminder to <laughs> read funny. to click read more. Keith asserted that an EMT... No, I actually copied this and saw that he did that. I didn't actually read the comment, so here we go. Uh, Keith asserted that an EMT cannot call time of death. First, as a technicality, a call to a shooting would have been for paramedics, not EMTs. Fair enough. The distinction is similar to that of an RN to an LPN. Regardless, both can call time of death when it is obvious. In fact, when there is a DOA, a police may not call a paramedic at all, in which case uh, it is who they declare the death. It is they who declare the death and the coroner who estimates the time. Within the walls of a hospital, however, even an RN cannot declare time of death. Only a doctor can do that. I suspect it is because morbidity and mortality conferences investigate the latter, but not the former, as the former patient has not yet officially under the care of a physician. And comment. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he just knew that or if he did some research or... Uh... I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, if he did some research, like, good on you. If you just knew that off the top of your head, that's a little creepy. Yeah, then I'm concerned, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, because it, it, it is something that comes up so often in movies and TV, and you, like, and you, you hear all of the, uh, like, the news reports, like, they were transported to the hospital and then, de- and then declared whatever, whatever. But I guess, like, if it's, like, super obvious, like, they can call the time of death if they're like decapitated or something. So that's interesting. Continuing forth, 
Uh, on Instagram, LBF, LFB, source, Lara Flynn Boyle, source, said State of Mind deserved best episode just for the scene of Helen and Lindsay. And State of Mind was an episode in season three. Uh, so the Lara Flynn Boyle fans starting to chime in. Look out, check out this year's season oopsies. Yeah, wait till you get to the uh, the redemption of Helen, the... I mean, here's another thing we never surmised last week. Helen Dread. Can we yeah, judge Helen Dread? Can the season arc still still be titled The Redemption of Helen, even though the way it turns out? Can we still have that be the sort of overarching arc name? <sighs> well, I suppose it could be the attempted redemption of Helen, because like the redemption of Helen doesn't necessarily mean that it was successful. It was the attempted. Helen's road to redemption. That means we don't even know if she where she where on the road she got to. That's not as good, but no, no. But it's it's the the redemption of Helen's character as an interesting character on the show. Well, that that's just a terrible title. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, folks, write into us at out of practice podcast at gmail.com if you would like to. Uh, Wait a minute, I built the filings and subpoenas card. Did I not put it in the folder? No. All right, well, look for it next week because <laughs> I, I actually built one and I, I guess I didn't you put did? it there. With our with all of our contact info and like being all professional and shit. Oh, sh hold on. You got anything you can talk about for a hot sec? <laughs> and give you the... <laughs> and get, well, you have to talk so I will get you the file. Right. Well, I guess we gotta we gotta double check first to see if it's even in there. No, maybe I definitely I just, maybe I missed it. No, I definitely built it. No, I don't think it's in there. Uh, you, we'll get it next week. We'll get. I I don't even know where it is. I don't think I I don't think I finished the process. Oh no, you did not. You, you surely didn't. Plus, you know, there's no new. I have no cards in there for the contact and donation info, and none of that was new. No. Well, and uh, but we should do the contact info. If you would like to email and complain about us talking about our behind the scenes mistakes, you can uh, reach us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast and, and on our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. Now, the next thing I always say here is do us a favor and join the jury and leave us a rating and review. And guess what? No way! We totally have it! Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Welcome to the jury! What say you? We have heard from KC3928, who wrote into Apple Podcasts to say, Thoroughly enjoy this podcast. Mike and Keith have great chemistry, and they make me laugh every episode. They point out so many things that I've never noticed in my multiple watches of the episode. I also agree, if I ever murder someone, I want Eugene as my lawyer. Oh, so they were like, I want to make sure these people know we actually listen. I reckon I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quote check. No, absolutely. Well, Casey agreed, and thank you very much. And uh Seriously, folks, join our new friend Casey because it it like actually literally makes a difference. You know, yeah, we it does. I, I see the numbers and I see people trying out the podcast immediately after mm -hmm. somebody leaves a, a rating recommendation and review. algorithms, Keith. But the big the big question here is: uh, yes. this podcast brought to you by A and W. A and W. Keith thinks it's good. It's zero. 
We don't say diet anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm carrying enough shame. Now it's A&W, zero sugar. Um, Keith, what is the general rule? What is Because we didn't get to talk about it last week or off air. What is the general feeling of your mom? Because now your mom's a listener. What's her That's jury true. Thing? Yeah, well, I she actually really enjoys. Uh, she only listens. She just listens to the episode part. She just listens to the the preamble part. <laughs> and of course, I realized like I think last week I said uh, if she called me fat, I'd push her in You'd front of a car. You'd push her in a car <laughs> or off a down of a train or something like that. And then I was like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, well, I, actually, in all seriousness, like we we just went through the death of my grandfather, and she she texted me after uh, the episode we did about your father, and and said that she really connected with that, and that she felt a lot of the same things that you felt. So it was a she it was it, she actually reached out to me to say that. So thanks, yeah, mom. It, thanks for listening. Yeah, you know, to put a, a pin on that real quick, because yeah, thanks for listening, and thanks for the new member of our jury. I uh, happened to be at a, a Rite Aid for something this past week, and it dawned on me. I was like, I think I'm close to the cemetery. I'm not a, we've talked about this, a religious, I'm not one of the, I'm a religious person. And yeah. uh, I also find it weird that people like go to a cemetery to like, to what, right? This pill, but I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I just don't, it's not a, it's, it doesn't hold a, a thing for me. But I was close to my, the cemetery my dad was at. And I haven't been in whew, so long. So I went over. And two things I found really interesting was I couldn't remember where the heck the plot was. And so I called up and I meandered about, you know, a little bit. I called up the place and I asked. They told me the numbers. I didn't know that plots all are, are numbered in a, yeah, like a locker in a high school, which makes total sense. I just, so, didn't, yeah, I just didn't know. Them, yeah. And, uh, Long story short, I get the thing, and I was sixty paces. I was sixty paces from the uh, the tombstone, and I was like really kind of proud that I'd made it that far. Um, good story. Yep, and uh, yeah, it was it was kind of sweet. Uh, I don't know the. I felt good about it. It was just kind of a. It was a beautiful day. It was one of those first kind of springy days, and I was happy to have made the pilgrimage. Was the feeling I had. Uh, that's about it. There was. That's all I have to say about it. But yeah, no, it's but that's, interesting that it happened like the like the week that we ran that that last episode. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, serendipity happens, and uh, yeah. So it, anyway, yeah, that was. I mean, I I think that your your story you told on that episode was was really profound, and I clearly it's it's connecting with folks. So thank you for sharing all of that. Thanks, man, and th- welcome to your mom. So glad to have you here, mom. Yes. Okay. Well. It is now time. Speaking of great chemistry in that jury, I mean, it was she talk, She was talking about our podcast chemistry, right? Yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> our bedroom chemistry sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little hot and bothered. My wife was a little jealous when she watched last week. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, can <laughs> we please didn't. hop back into the time machine? It's now Rescue Us. By hopping back into the time machine... This episode aired on September 23rd, 2001. So we're here. Let's talk about it in... This Day in the Basement. So, here we are. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, so obviously, uh, <laughs> this 
was the first episode to air uh, almost a couple of weeks after 9-11. And I was thinking, you know, and and we're going to talk about what was going on in our lives when this show aired. We have to talk about uh, our experiences there. But I I thought, I was thinking about it, about what to say and realizing that there are now full-grown adults who were born after this happened who have no memory of this. And um, just speaking of my mother, I remember her telling me the story, her story of the Kennedy assassination and sort of talking about what, you know, what her experience of how she found out and, and, and all of that. And realizing that when she was telling me about it, it was probably 25 years after the Kennedy assassination and we're already 20 years after 9-11. And so and it's, it felt like, ancient history that she was talking to to me about and uh and now it's i mean it's been 20 years it's unbelievable yeah uh i guess there's so much you know we talk about the pandemic and how it's this kind of shared experience and i think that for those of us and you know yes there's a special kind of feeling for those of us who are or considered ourselves at any point new yorkers um it was an interesting timing for me because I had I had just gotten into school and I was moving away from home and I was moving to New York. This was where I was going to start my next the part the, the major part of my life. Yeah. And this happened and my dad, you know, after my dad had died and and I remember not being afraid, though everyone I knew, friends, family, everybody was super concerned that you're about to move there. And, and, you know, Keith and I think we'll talk in a minute probably about how what the general feeling was in New York City at, at that time, because I end up getting there like two weeks later. Mm. Um, but I'll give you my quick kind of long and short of it. I was uh, still sort of semi-involved with my uh, ex-girlfriend at the time, Carrie, and she was living in New York. Uh, she was, she had gone back for her master's degree uh, in, in education at MIU. And she was living on Water Street, uh, like a hop, skip, and a jump from right where this was happening. And so I was actually going in to see her that day. And I was on the Amtrak on the Northeast Corridor, going right up past your house, Keith. And uh, the train stopped. And, you know, there was no, it was not a cell phone kind of time. Otherwise, I'd have pictures of it. But here we were stopped. And there is the New York City skyline. And you could see it just smoke, Mm. just smoke. And no idea what was happening. Wasn't once again phones. It wasn't. There wasn't it readily accessible. The information. Train stayed there for what felt like forever. But because we hadn't actually gotten to the city yet, you'll you know all outbound trains were stopped for I think almost like forty eight hours or whatnot. Um, so if you were in the city, you couldn't get out. Right. I actually finally the train reversed back, and I remember getting in my car and just driving to Carrie's mom's house because I figured they were probably freaking out. And she was, the, both her parents were, they couldn't get a hold of her. And so we just sat there and kind of held vigil all day. And uh, and then finally she got back, I think about three days later. And that was, we talked about what she had gone through and it was pretty pretty kind of crazy because she was in the situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, I moved two weeks later, uh, which is now basically. Yeah. Um, and my very first few nights in New York are real scary. <clears throat> yeah. Um, be- 
because this was just, everything was new and this had just happened and um, the smell and, and where, the where was, was your pretty, first place? My first place was on 79th Street. So I was on the Upper West Side. But of course, one of the first things we did, um, some of me and my, some of my classmates was go down to Ground Zero and it was, uh, you couldn't get very close at that point. Well, it's still on fire at that point. Yeah, um, but south of maybe Union Square, you could already smell it. The yeah. city had a smell that wouldn't go away until, sheesh, maybe 2015, 2010. You went down to, to, to I mean, ten a decade almost. You, there was just an acrid smell down there. Um, and uh, the only flip, and you know, there there have come to light many, many um, flips of this coin. So I'm not. I'm just painting my memory. My memory of the city in those first few months after this is very much um, of people being very uh, friendly and hospitable yeah. and yeah. supportive and. Uh, for each other. Now, I recognize, in and hindsight has has shown that that wasn't the case for everybody. No, um, that was, <laughs> that was, was my not. my privilege, of course, uh, being me. Uh, uh, there was a great, um, pretty overt prejudice against a lot, basically any any brown folks. Yeah. Um, it, you know, wasn't regardless of what your religion or your your where you were from, your head. Uh, it, did, it, was, it didn't make any difference what you actually were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, my memory at least was of a, just a, a community, which, which, you know, New York, you, you really have to get in there and be part of it to ever feel that the, the general perception of New York is not that, um, from the outside. Right. Um, but I'll say that to this very day, and I think this speaks to what your mom was saying about the Kennedy assassination. I, when the when the day comes, it was it was it's it's amazing to be twenty years old, uh, not quite twenty one years old, and I'm sure I, uh, kids watching the Challenger blow up. It's what I it's the thing I relate to it. It's it's being unable to comprehend something emotionally, understanding yeah. it and watching the news and all of that. And to this day, I, I still get up that morning on turn on NBC and, and MSNBC and watch it the minute to minute news coverage. For some reason, that's the pilgrimage I make for this. Mm. And regardless of what I watch and and what I read, and I've read it all, I'm I'm fairly obsessed with this, and uh, I've yet to be able to emotionally comprehend it. I'm I'm I'm, mm. I'm still in the in that feeling with the pandemic. I mean, I, over a half of a million people are dead. Yeah. For, yeah, I can't. Even, let's not even talk about that. You know, no, it's I mean, like we, trying to we've, we've contemplate two thousand people. You know, well, well and, and we've had days where we lost more than we lost on nine eleven every day of the week. Yeah. and with with COVID, yeah. And for me, it boils down to to two things. You know, I'm sorry to be haunting, <laughs> but um, uh, it's the idea of 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 a parent that there were preschools there, like. That if a parent bringing their kid to preschool, yeah, yeah, really trips me up. And then the other is is that image of and I'll never forget. And you can see it on the camera footage. It's, they're just zooming in on this guy, and and you're like, oh, he's waving a, a t shirt or something. And then and then he's just jumping out of the building. Yeah. 
and then you hear the stories of that. That was that wasn't one guy that that it was that all over to. the place. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, go. I'll let you talk for a minute, and then I'll tell you what I actually did that night, which I which is a story that I think is well. You know what? I'll tell it when we get there. Go ahead. <clears throat> yeah. No, I I think what you said about it taking time to emotionally understand is really true. And, uh, you know, I'll tell my story and I was not nearly as close to it as you were, uh, but I have definitely experienced that every year that goes by, when I watch the documentary or whatever, I feel more, not less. And I, and yeah. I, I, th I think it's a, a couple of things. One, I think it's, um, uh, distance that comes from like just it was so overwhelming at the time you shut down you shut off you're not feeling anything you're, it's it's going through a trauma but also i think it's my connection to the city and the people of the city and it somehow gets more more real after 20 years in the city um because at that point uh i was still in rochester so we were um i i watched it on television um, I happened to uh, turn on the TV right after the first plane hit. And uh, and so I watched it all the way through the progression, the second plane, the Tower 1, Tower 2 falling. Um, and I, that morning, I I remember because I, ha I had a voice lesson scheduled for 10 a.m. And, uh, and so... I was, you know, watching the television and, and I, I emailed uh, my voice teacher and I'm like, what do we do? Should I come in? Should I not come in? And because I had an audition coming up, we were, uh, we did La Boheme. And so I was going in to audition and I was working on Kajalita and, and uh, my voice teacher had a daughter in the city <laughs> and he was, he was scared for her, but he's like, come in, we'll do 10 minutes. We'll sing through the song once. And then we'll go back. And so I I went in, you know, right before 10 o'clock uh, to go to the voice. And I, and, I, and I went into the main hall at Eastman and nobody had any idea anything was going on. And I'm like, what do I do? Do I make an announcement or something? I don't really know what to do anyway. So I, I, I went in, did the did the voice lesson and for 10 minutes and then went back. And so my experience of the day was literally just sitting and watching in horror, flipping around the various channels. And my girlfriend uh, is from Leonia, which mm -hmm. is a town in New Jersey. Literally, you could throw a rock and hit Manhattan. And so for her, it was also much more, much more real because it was her life. And I remember like the, the moment that she really broke down was seeing the skyline and seeing this missing piece of the skyline. And that, that was for her what, what made it real. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, and again, you're 20 years old, you're watching it on television. I'd only been to New York a couple of times. I, I, and so I didn't have the connection with it that a lot of people did, um, which is why I think it became more real as the years went by. Um, but uh, I remember that what we did at the school, 
was um, the Sunday after that Tuesday, we did an in, like entire school. We sang Mozart's Requiem with the full orchestra and the full chorus. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was, it was crazy, you know, and I, the other thing I remember, I actually taped what I was watching off the air onto an old VA on a VHS tape, which I taped over the Giants game, which was played on, on uh, Monday night, the night before. And it's funny because like, if I go back and I watch that, it starts with like this incredible sense of normalcy. We're playing the Broncos. We're trying to do this, that, the other thing. And then just gets interrupted by this horror. And, and uh, I moved to the, I moved to the city. <laughs> My first day in New York was 9-11-2002. I started October 3rd was when I started school. Yeah. So I was there like a week before. Um, so just to, I moved to New York almost precisely when this episode airs. Well, I guess the next week. Um, that night, uh, I think I have a picture. In fact, uh, so I had been in. I was running a show um, uh, that closed. No, I guess I yeah. September twenty third, Charlie Brown closed. So I was finishing up a run of Your Good Man Charlie Brown in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, and I have some some pics. I'll show you. Um, it's so crazy to look back at, at photographs. I played Linus in this production. I would oh, go on cute. to do the show one more time and play Charlie Brown, uh, not for nothing. And uh, this was a really crazy experience for me because um, I was moving out to, to New York and we were running the show. And this was the first time I, uh, well, second time. The, when my dad had died during the run of the play I'd done previous to this. And uh, I, I, I went on the night my dad died I did the play, Oof. and that was my first experience with the show Must Go On, and I didn't think it was going to be ever get worse than that. And then this next time, uh, it was 9-11, and there was a, I remember the conversation because we were, we were you know, it was nice of them to, to bring us into the conversation. Should we cancel the show? Um, you know, it seems like such a trivial, trite thing, but, you know, you have to realize that these conversations are happening nationwide in all kinds of pockets, and and there's so many considerations. You know, in the in the theater, just like the, when the pandemic happened, it, the theater is a, that's always the mentality: is the show must go on, yeah. not because we're self-centered people, but because we are an outlet for people to escape when necessary. Right. Right. And this felt like one of those moments. And so, long, for for better or for worse, and there's you can you could argue it both ways. We decided to go on and. Uh, the gentleman playing Charlie Brown, who was just such a, a wonderful wonderful soul, soul. I've not kept in touch with him, but I was really just beginning, not my just my career, but to be to be an actor, to learn the craft. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was so kind to me and, and really was wonderful. And the director, whose name escapes me, unfortunately, gave him the ultimate, look, we're gonna, we're going to do the show. Um, it is up to you. He was the star of the show, uh, and they said if you want to make a comment, when because he would take he took stage first and had a little opening monologue. Yeah, as Charlie Brown, you can make a comment. You can say nothing. It's up to you. And I think had I been in his shoes, I would have done nothing. I would have just done the show. I would have went out and I would have started the monologue. And 
what he did, uh, it, I've found that in telling this story, it's it seems very trite, Keith. But I have to tell you that the way he did it and and the feeling, if you didn't live through it, it's hard to, you'll never be able to, just like the Kennedy assassination, those things, you're never gonna be able to feel the feels. But when you were in that moment where we were all trying to just, like I said, emotionally comprehend, and, and there's a small feeling of nationalism, and there was, it just felt like, I don't, I wish I could explain it, but here's what happened, and he came out to do his monologue, and the, you know he stood center stage, and the lights hit him, and, uh, and his the monologue starts. Some days I wake up early and watch the sunrise and think how beautiful it is. Mm. And so he he gave he delivered that line, and then he stopped. He paused before the next line, and then he took out a little American flag, one of those little American flags from his pocket, and he turned around and he walked over to Snoopy's doghouse, and he just taped it to the side, and then he. He came back and the crowd, like the audience went insane. There was crying, there was clapping, there was, it was a thing. Yeah. It was an outlet. It was an emotional release to kind of acknowledge what was going on, acknowledge that we were all in the same place. And then the, he felt the crest of that and then he just, and then we did the show. And it was, I'll never forget it because it was like one of those moments where the, the art form that we, we, you and I try to describe so in so many ways and just can't <laughs> very often. Yeah. And what we've missed so much this past year is that there's something about it all happening live that is different. There have been many workarounds and that we've done on Zoom and whatnot, but there's something different when we all gather together yeah. in in the theater. And, and that was... I'll never forget that. That was Gene Bender is his name, if I didn't mention that. And he, he, that was a really, an in-the-moment decision that really yeah. turned out <clears throat> to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, it's, that still hits me today. I mean, it's, it's, oof. Have you been to the museum? I have not. No, I, I haven't been down for years and years, honestly. I didn't it's, think you could get, I didn't think anything could top the reflection pools, uh, but the, the museum is I but, I heard but, an, but <laughs> well but I know I, I I heard an NPR thing about it and I was like I, I, this would kill me like I get I'll very pull, emotional in museums <laughs> like, yeah oh I was at uh, the Museum of Civil Rights in uh, in North Carolina and like just I walked into the the first thing and just like started crying it was I'm like, the oh. same way uh, when Jen was doing uh, uh, Yidler downtown I I. I thought I'd, I'd wait for her. I saw the matinee. I was going to wait for her after the evening show. I was like, oh, I'll kill some time. I'll, I'll go through the Holocaust Museum. Holy Christ. You can't make that a whim decision like that. You have to be prepared. <laughs> no, it's not an Applebee's. It, 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 it ruined me. Uh, but I will say for our listeners and for you, Keith, I'll put a link in the show notes. Google has one of their, you know, Google, if you don't know, the Google's Arts and Culture let's, does uh, some walking tours, like Google Street View, through some of the world's biggest museums. Oh, interesting. And, and in high, that. like, 4K resolution, where you can just, like, walk through the halls and see all the stuff. And they have that for the 9-11 uh, Museum. And so it's maybe a, a, an easier emotional inlet, rather than, being there is something, is something, I gotta tell yeah. you. Yeah. No, and I, and I know that they have a special room for people who lost people to go to and it's oh uh, all right well i'm gonna stop crying on the air uh and i'm gonna finish the 9 11 uh segment with a, a a one of my my favorite 
9-11 story. And it's, okay. it's, t- it's, it's tough to have a favorite one, but this one's my favorite. And I'm going to, uh, names will be changed to protect the guilty. <laughs> um, so they're at the wedding of a mutual friend of ours. Uh, he, uh, he had a friend who was, another, who was also an actor who, uh, wanted, who he wanted to speak at the, uh, do, not to speak, but during the ceremony, uh, he was he happened to be there when they met, when the couple met the first time they were doing a show together, and this uh, this guy is he's a bit of a Michael Scott, if okay. you know what I mean. He like he 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 does enjoy being the center of attention. He does enjoy uh, you know the the whatever. So uh, I'm trying trying to do this carefully. <laughs> so. The speech he was supposed to give went like this. Uh, I know that this wedding and this this moment is a very momentous occasion. And, uh, but, uh, no, no, that's what it was. Uh, some of you here have known so-and-so for longer than I have. Others of you have known the other person for longer than I have. But none of you have known them for longer than me known them as a couple for longer than me because I was there when they met. And, well, the speech went something like this. So, on, uh, it's a few years back, and and I should point out, this wedding took place far away from New York City. So being from New York City was sort of exotic. It's like, so, one day, this beautiful morning, I was driving down the New Jersey Turnpike near New York City and uh, was just driving along and I decided to stop and get some uh, chocolate milk. I enjoy chocolate milk. <laughs> so uh, so I stop in and I get my chocolate milk and then I go out in the rest area and there, of course, is the the uh, skyline of New York City. And I'm like, oh no, there's there's smoke coming up from, from the skyline. And uh, I, that's... It's so strange, uh, how how weird. And I went back in. And I saw the news, and and I and I heard that this uh, a plane had had hit the World Trade Center, and then I found out later that another train had hit. And of course, like, and I I was looking at it with my eyes because I was right there. I was there, and uh, anyway, so I was there for another momentous occasion when so and so met so and so, and that's how we introduced them. Oh. No. No, at the wedding, <laughs> at, at the ceremony. Oh, that's like it, it was literally that was what happened before. Do you have the ring? There are two rules, from what I understand. <laughs> you don't bring up the Titanic when you're singing on a cruise ship, and you don't bring up 9/11 when you're giving a speech at a wedding. When you're in the ceremony, <laughs> literally before I do, he went on like a five-minute riff, bragging about having been there. I think I've, I've think, I think I've said this on the pod before, so I'll, I'll I'll just do a quick recap, or maybe I've just told you. I've mentioned before I worked for the musical alliance, musical theater alliance, and I was working on that festival, and there was one submission. I, I will I won't say that who wrote it or the the name of the title, but the the plot synopsis, and what, so we got a, a plot, we got a script, and then a CD of like uh, six songs. Right? right, that was the demo. That's it was about the breakup of two people, this guy, his girlfriend broke up with him, mm-hmm. but he tells it through the lens of 9-11. Mm-hmm. 
and makes it a direct parallel. It is absolutely- <laughs> My breakup was 9-11. Yes, it's like a simile. And oh my God. it is, Keith, the most self-indulgent piece of shit that has ever been turned in. I mean, he went for it. It oh, is yeah. fully the songs. So in the in in a Mike and Deglio first, we'll say, I when I left that job, uh, I decided, you know what? Because of course it it was denied this show. Right, didn't. sure. I'm sure it was never produced. I'm sure no one ever produced it, but I was like, you know what? I'm keeping the CD and the script because I need <laughs> to remember. If I ever write something even remotely autobiographical, read this first to remember not how to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, if you've ever adjudicated uh, musicals, which because you did NAMP and I was I was a, a nymph judge for a long time, like you won't believe what comes across your desk. Some literally times. won't believe it. You're like, I can't believe this is un this, this is unbelievable. All okay. right, we uh, let us move forward uh, and talk about. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports <laughs> updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. What have now I done? back to Keith and Mike. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have I done? That's <laughs> gonna stay there. <laughs> um, if you can't see it, no, leave it there. <laughs> There's a big globe over Mike's face. <laughs> I couldn't have planned that any better. Okay. Oh my god! All right. Well. Well, folks, it was September. 3rd, 2001, and our number one song was Fallen by Alicia Keys. The top movie was Hardball, which took $8 million in its second week, uh, starred Keanu Reeves and Diane Lane and John Hawks. It was a baseball movie. Certainly a weird time to go to a movie. I, I know it, well, obviously it affected everything. Uh, the local paper of the Burlington Free Press, the headline was Veterans Wary of War Talk. And uh, they should have been, because we're about to, uh, you know, make a mess of the uh, the world in response to 9-11. Keith, do you know what other movie came out this summer that we missed because we were in this off-season? Off What's that? I believe in June of 2001, if not mistaken, one of my all-time favorites, maybe you've never seen it, it's called Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yes, indeed. I know I know about it well. Jillian did a uh, workshop of the musical version of that. Oh, oh my God. I'd love to see that. Yeah, Who did she well, play? The, what part did she play? Uh, I think she did... Um, Jeanine Garofalo? Jeanine Garofalo's, yeah. yeah. Perfect. So, She's so uh, perfect. Yeah, and it was written by the, uh, the original guys. So they were... They're a part of it, so yeah. So she gets into the cool stuff. You're watching. She she does a lot of cool stuff, most of which she can't talk about, which is sad. Like the time that we uh, we saw Ernie Sabella in was was in her cast with a uh, a certain musical based on a movie starring a certain large star. We can't talk about. You know what the worst part of, of like have being so privileged to be in so many like first drafts of new things. Ninety mm -hmm. percent of new things don't go past the first draft. That that's absolutely right. And it sucks. <laughs> I've written 90 first drafts that haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> uh, I, I'm hoping the 91st will actually go somewhere. Hell yeah. That'll Hell that'll be amazing. Yeah. 
All right, let us move forward with... It's time, it's time, time. It's time for sports. sports. In the first NFL games, after week two of the season was postponed after 9-11, the Giants beat Kansas City Chiefs 13-3 in Kansas City. Ron Dane scored the only touchdown of the game in the second quarter. Kerry Collins outdueled Trent Green despite throwing three interceptions. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Eagles thrashed the Seattle Seahawks 27-3 in Seattle's temporary Husky Stadium. As they uh, they were building their new stadium. I uh, wrote too much uh, sports ball copy, like I'm <laughs> prone to do. And uh, now it is time to... I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not going to take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Okay, folks, we are here talking about Season 6, Episode 1, The Candidate which is the first two-hour episode of The Practice ever. And it was written by, of course, by David E. Kelly. He wasn't going to let anybody else write a, no. a, this first movie. And directed by veteran Jeannot Soir, who last directed Poor Richard's Almanac, which we lost our first major character. And uh, that leaves us with only one thing to do, and that is... What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I know. Well, so season six is the season of what type of swings? Well, going uh, with my step, the c contemplative. <laughs> of contemplative swings? I want to really think about it <laughs> and be measured. Uh, <laughs> nothing that more exciting. That interesting. <laughs> Very exciting. Uh, <laughs> measured, uh, not hot takes, more late, lukewarm. <laughs> That's what everybody comes here. With the stakes so low, the lowest I, stakes of all time, you're going to go with the lukewarm. I see place. a stapler down there, and I see the title here, The Candidate. Mm -hmm. Now, Keith, give me a little education. Okay. Um, is it, does every district attorney have to run for office, each and every one of them, or just that main, just the head one in the office? Because they're all assistant, assistant district attorneys, right? I, that is a very good question. I don't think that uh, any of our characters are political office holders. I think that the district attorney and judging uh, judges, I imagine it goes district by district how they do that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Helen has not running, has not, we've never heard reference of Helen having run for her position or Richard. Okay. So I'm going to. Measure a guess. A lukewarm, mm -hmm. medium measure. Oh, you know it. And that guess is going to be that there is a new district attorney running for office. Okay. Okay, and so the fates of our, uh, of Helen, uh, who is a huge part of our last season, uh, is, is involved. All right. And 
this candidate is found, is now accused of having raped someone. So, Helen is going to have to prosecute the man running for her to be her boss, who is defended by none other than Eleanor, uh, because we don't yet know uh, how Bobby wants to proceed now. Really oh, happens. okay. All right. Well, you know what it is? It is not the season of lukewarm uh, guesses. Okay. What you just did there was pitch an episode. So it is the oh. season of hot pitches. <laughs> really be careful of that plosive, however. We do not <laughs> want to get canceled, all right? Hot that... pitches. Okay. All right. Well, folks, if you want to hear us pitch some hot, um, <laughs> on on microphone, you can do that um, by what? heading over. <laughs> keep <What>? that graphic. <laughs> I don't even know what you're laughing at now. <laughs> the two of us on the bottom left. That's what? on our logo now. <laughs> Well, how did you get us making the same a stupid <laughs> doofus expression? <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> Look, the YouTube algorithms want to see our faces. That's how they recommend the videos. They let won't ask, recommend me, it if you don't see our faces. Let me ask you a question real yeah. quick. Before, yeah. now, I know. Now the episode needs a three-parter. Oh, Jesus. Um, oh, yeah. That's not it. That's not it. Um, how, do you think we have enough for a, a full audio compilation of me doing old man laugh. Of of you like uh when I start to cackle and just like, like make cigar old cackle? Make, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the the wheeze, the wheeze laugh. Oh, we definitely between the two of us. Oh my god. Uh, they'd probably take us straight to the hospital. Like we'd probably <laughs> diagnose some sort of disorder with that. Oh crap. Well, Jorge, now you know what the next 15 hours of your life has to be. <laughs> oh, no. All right, so Don't go head it. over to the YouTubes. Just kidding. <sighs> <laughs> to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us listen to season six, episode one <laughs> of The Practice. Yeah, I just bailed you out. Season six, episode one, The Candidate. The Candidate. this Boston skyline. Even more ominous Boston. So out of focus. So ominous. It was so much cheaper when it was out of focus. <laughs> We're at the nice house they use. Oh, the crossfades, they outdid themselves. Naked guy? Not just Thank any you. naked guy. Not just any guy. Guy is naked sitting on the chair. Naked guy sitting on the chair. Let's not forget he's sweating profusely. He doesn't look that happy, but we are happy to see him because it's Dylan freaking Baker. It is Dylan Baker from Revolutionary Road, Selma, Homeland, The Americans, The Good Wife, Damages, Spider-Man 2 and 3, The Cell, Happy and a movie called Happiness with Lara Flynn and Cameron. He's also great in that uh, 
that weird uh, Hulu or Netflix or Amazon show, uh, The Hunters. Hmm. Uh, Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah, he's a he's a good Nazi, and well, not he's, good. He's plays uh, what plays a Nazi very well. He he plays everything very well. I think Dylan Baker is one of the most underrated actors out there. This is some of the best sweating I've ever seen done on the screen. That's, put it on his special skills. It's like you have a hairy back; he can sweat <laughs> on command. Now here's another person who's a girl who's making herself throw up. Also under special skills. That's how she got that game. Also under special skills. We'll introduce her in a second. We'll do our favor not introduce her while she's gagging into a sink. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and now we've traveled upstairs into the very fancy bathroom. And there's somebody in the shower. Keith, this is fitting my pitch already. So much. And guess who that is sitting traumatized in the shower? Lady sitting traumatized in the shower! Lady who we didn't freeze frame puking, but will freeze frame hunched over traumatized naked in the shower. (laughs) Guys, it's Virginia Madsen! Oscar nominated Virginia Madsen uh, she was Oscar nominated for Sidewise, si- Sidewise, Sideways. <laughs> uh, Sidewise is is the way we're growing, Keith. I boy, I feel like this episode is going to get rough. <laughs> no, I'm she, already localed. Uh, me too. She was also in Candyman with uh, Tony Todd. Met him once. Very nice guy. Uh, she was in Dune, in The Prophecy, Highlander Two. And in Star Trek Voyager, she was Kellen in Unforgettable. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. So we've we've got some pretty heavy, heavy hitting guest stars already. We are continuing the walk through the fancy house. Music is telling us we're gonna find maybe a puppy. Oh no. No, it's a super dead guy! So dead. So dead. The deadest. Crossfade again to naked guy. To naked Dylan Baker. Who's at the door? Freshly just for men to Dylan Baker. (laughs) That was Dylan Baker 20 years ago. Maybe that was just what it was like then. Dude, you really want to come at it? Can you imagine either one of us in that scene? Jorge, you're on that one. <laughs> no. Jeez. Wait, I, Eleanor's I at the door. I wouldn't even fit in a two by three screen. What's wrong? Oh my God. Door. Did she just call him Keith? I'm going to have to yes. clip that. Keith? <laughs> oh man, we can use that for all sorts of stuff. What's wrong? Well, there's this dead guy and a traumatized lady. It's, Where's it's really a, it's gonna need a measured response. Taking a shower. Why aren't you dressed? Well, about that. My clothes are in the wash. Keith, put this on. Oh my God, we have so many Keith clips. <laughs> Hello, yeah. 
Thanks, David. Marsha? The master bedroom. Just go look. So, Eleanor, by the for a reminder for everyone, is a lawyer, not a fixer. <laughs> That's true. That's Which something you it, tell the mob guy. There's a situation upstairs. And when you pitched this episode, you said it was going to be Eleanor, too. Well, she was in the slate, Keith. Oh, yeah, fair enough. That's fucked up, P.S. I mean, it's one thing to call your lawyer. I mean, that's what they do all the time and tell them, hey, you got to help me. I, this there, There's this baby we smothered. There's, you know, you right, fill right. in the blanks. Yeah, but usually the, you give them a heads up. You don't just like go look upstairs. Surprise. What's surprise? behind door number it, one? Who knows? Maybe <laughs> it's a new TV. <laughs> We no got a new flat screen. Super really dead excited. guy? <laughs> oh, yes. Don't worry about the giant corpse. Congratulations for winning Plinko. Tell him what he's won. Johnny Gilbert? Let me get the dog and just let me handle it. Don't you think you've handled things enough? Keep going to lay this at my door. Are you serious? <laughs> In watching about the episode, I realized that you really, you really stuck it through. Every time you said anything on the pod last week for the Oopsie Spectacular, you stuck with the uh, announcer voice, which I didn't catch on until the last, <laughs> like, one minute that we were doing announcer voice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess because I already sound pompous. In post, like a I little was like, extra pompous doesn't change like, why is Keith's voice so much louder than usual? Like, his levels are so unequal than the way they usually... Usually it's said it, forget it. But then I was like, oh, he's doing an announcer voice. Yeah. <laughs> he's way up on the mic. Have you called an ambulance? <laughs> he seems a little dead for that. Oh, zing. What about the police? We called you. Given the man died in our house, we were nervous about becoming suspects. So we notified our attorney. So the police haven't been called at all? Not yet, no. Ugh, doesn't look good. Do you know who the victim is? His name is James McNown. He's a business associate of Marsha's. What happened? If knowing the truth would prevent you from representing me, Eleanor, you're not getting it. How are you doing, sweetie? Nothing suspicious okay. about that. Hi, Eleanor. Hi, Allison. But we'll definitely introduce... Allison, their teenage daughter! One actress in the family that we didn't embarrass with a screenshot today? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Holy moly. Guys, it's Emmy Rossum. Golden Globe nominee Emmy Rossum, who of course was Christine in the Phantom of the Opera movie, was in Mystic River the day after tomorrow. But uh, guys, she's Fiona in Shameless. And uh, really fantastic actress. Our guest star, Cuppeth, runneth over, Keith. It truly does. Holy moly. We have to notify the police. And what do we tell them? Well, None of us has any idea how it happened. None of us saw it. There's this dead guy. He miraculously he appeared in, in my bed bedroom. Yes. That's not going to sound very convincing, Keith. Oh, I'm going to take Eleanor, that one, too. I'm placing myself in your hands now. Need I'll tell you as much or as little as you want to know. It's up Keith to you. Clips from this episode. But I don't want to say anything that'll keep you from representing me. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want? She wants the zigga 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 zig ah.
You have blood splatterings on you. Go take a shower. I'm gonna call the police in 10 minutes. Whoa, little obstructing of justice. So they must go way back. <clears throat> what? Could s- somebody who is an old friend? So, so, yeah, so get this. An old friend of one of our cast members uh, murdered somebody. It's hard to imagine. Now, I'm one a candidacy for district attorney away from na 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 nailing it. I well, you exactly. You should have pitched this 20 years ago. Got some residuals, man. I uh, was a little busy being a broody 20 year old. Yes, well, weren't we all? But I definitely watched this one. Uh, okay, uh, I can't wait to find out how we each celebrate our 21st birthday this coming season. Oh boy! Well, uh, we already we already talked about mine. I did freaking nothing because I had no friends and I didn't drink. That's about what you're gonna hear from me too. <laughs> really, a stellar cast. All, all joking aside, already. I mean, holy moly! Cast for this thing. How's that mix for you there, Keith? Can you hear us okay? I can hear you fine. The uh, video's a little out of sync. Yeah, well. What happened? I don't exactly know. That's Zoom. Didn't tell you anything. Only that I don't want to know. Am I educated? Oh, Bobby's here. Bobby looks older. Um, That's because he grew his hair out. Take a walk. Don't let anybody speak to them. Told your clients are refusing to give any statements. Choosing not to give statements. I think it kind of makes them look suspicious. Well, then, as suspects, they're exercising their constitutional rights to remain. Eleanor, I can't accept anyone's version of the events Oops. if no one gives me one. I sympathize, Helen. But the burden is on the state to figure out what happened. And as not... a state senator, I would think your client would want to assist the He's Commonwealth in that senator. burden. He's a state senator. would be wrong. You represent the wife and the daughter, too. That is correct. No conflict of interest there. Can you still hear the episode, Keith? You're not going to let any no, of them talk to it us. just dropped. Correct. Now it's back. How we doing? Well, not great. <laughs> All things considered. Arrest Senator Ellison and take the wife into custody. Wait a second. You're arresting both? No, just him. Then why take her? As a material witness? The state, under extraordinary circumstances, can place a witness into custody. What are if your circumstances? We believe, Your Honor, that Senator Ellison caught his wife in bed with the victim, then shot him. Yes, what a gifted leap. What are your circumstances for taking Mrs. Ellison into custody? We think she's concealing evidence. Well, folks, while Mike is fighting with that, I think that's a voice we're all familiar with. <laughs> Judge, of course, is Lane Smith, a Golden Globe nominee. Everyone's nominated for some. For the final days, I know him, of course, from Lois and Clark, my favorite show oh, of 1313. I love Terry Hatcher. Come oh, see Terry, me. Terry Hatcher was one of my first primary crushes. Definitely, definitely. Uh, and Kathy Ireland, interestingly. Not really my type today, but I, that was what I was feeling then. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? He was in My Cousin Vinny, The Mighty Ducks, Red Dawn, and the miniseries V. Keith, did you know there's a new Superman show? 
I do. How is it? I know you're a big Superman person. I am. Uh, you know what? We'll talk about it next week on, or two weeks from now in uh, more TV. I, I'm, I told myself I'd give it five episodes. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Evidence so, that she case, will destroy if she gets out of custody. In case you're paying attention at home. The evidence being the victim scene. The, the case here, uh, Lara Flynn's, or Helen's uh, theory here is that he uh, caught his wife in bed with the victim and killed him. So that's that's what the theory is. Semen or DNA evidence that would establish the two were in bed together at the time. I'm a little confused here. What exactly are you asking for? We'd like to do a search similar to a rape kit examination to determine a vaginal search, a full body search to look for hairs and fiber. Helen, if your client would cooperate, Eleanor, and give us a statement by not doing so. This is blatant blackmail, Your Honor. She is trying to force my client to testify against her husband or else be violated by a police technician. Your client is not a suspect. Fine, then grant her full immunity and then we'll consider any search. Would she agree to testify in exchange for immunity? I am not making any deals under the threat of coercion and I might add the state has no authority to do an invasive bodily search. She is the suspect's wife. Spousal privilege. That privilege goes to testimony. Bodily fluids do not constitute testimony. Come on, the privacy issues alone are outweighed by the state's interest in solving a homicide. Whether or not she's a suspect, your honor, if we do not get this evidence tonight, it's gone. Ms. Gamble, are you sure you want this? Because if it comes out, this is merely a ploy on your part. This woman can sue you personally for misconduct. You'll lose whatever evidence you might find. I can't lose evidence I don't have, Your Honor. I want it. Also freshly just for mend. I'm going to allow it. I appeal it and Fine, but I'm not staying the order pending an appeal. And since it's almost midnight, When it's gotta be close to midnight. Hold a little still if you can. And people wonder if we're becoming a police state. I'm gonna be all over them on this. I promise you, Marsha. Rape kit? Marsha, Marsha. Mrs. Ellison, if you could just remain still, this really shouldn't hurt. It shouldn't hurt? Marsha? A man Marcia. was shot in Marcia. my home. My husband was arrested. And Dr. Fingers is down there with a snorkel. Would you describe this as a painless experience, Eleanor? Let's just get through this. Of course, get them issued tonight. Wait Nothing makes Keith and I get more to. quiet than knowing that there is no Not joke given any details that as could to what happened be inserted in that scene. The police have issued no, <laughs> no statement as of yet, except to confirm that a fatal shooting did take place in the senator's home, occurring sometime this evening. Unconfirmed reports suggest that the senator was in fact home at the time. Helen, where are we? Uh, the senator is in custody. We have the gun. We're getting the warrants issued to search his house tonight. Keith, I say they go with the defense the that he's, he's simply under audit. And he's so not they talking, can't and it's not likely to change. <laughs> this is Alan Lowe. I'm under audit. Just I can't came over be from the investigated. Hi. Why do I care? Because he's your backup on Routine this. Routine audit. Look, I don't need any backup. I do. The heat on this is already... Mr. Lowe's reputation is that he has difficulty with the concept of playing backup. Your first hey. chair, Helen. He yeah, okay. Hold on. Use him. We have a couple And that of, guy! Keith! Yeah, all right. I'm gonna, Season I'm gonna, one! I'm going to do this in an order. Let's do... Who's that? that guy! Who's that? Dude who 
definitely should get on his TPS reports. Yes. Well, well, for, well first I'm going to introduce oh, Bill Simitrovich as 88 Kenneth Walsh, who's going to be with us for a while, who is uh, was in Millennium in DS9. He was Webb in Past Tense Parts 1 and 2. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Also, you'd know him from Life Goes On and The Event. A life goes on. Yes. <laughs> but we have, uh, uh, happily, Mike did not pick this, pick up on this. But, ladies and gentlemen, we have a new main cast member. Ron Livingston has joined the cast as ADA Alan Lowe. You would know Ron Livingston from his Golden Globe nominated performance in Band of Brothers, Swingers, The Conjuring, Boardwalk Empire, Loudermilk, Dinner for Schmucks, Sex in the City, and of course, his immortal performance in Office Space. So here we talk about big new cast member, folks. This is Ron Livingston coming right off of Band of Brothers and Office Space and right on to the practice. Keith, we go live now to Richard Bay's house. Hello. So, Rich, uh, yeah. we were. Uh, I just. I wanted to. I wanted to hear it from me first before you watched the new season. Um, uh huh. Uh huh. We uh, not only replaced you, but also yeah. made that person a permanent member of the cast. Uh, uh -huh. He's taller than you and, and a little bit more attractive, if we're being honest. Um, but uh, we're gonna also <clears throat> exclusively hold uh, season six, episode one, uh, and chock full it full of. Uh, people with Emmys and or Golden Globes. Is that So cool? the show's you, what, about to get really, really good after I'm dead? Yeah, what, what are you up to? Well, uh, as you referred to me as, as Richard Bay, because you don't distinguish between the actors <laughs> and the characters, I, I'm, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> don't Life goes on. Don't even talk. <laughs> Not we'll for me. Just fine. You can start by overseeing the warrants. Can no. I ask you why Helen is gonna so bang that guy. This just in, folks. I'm not second guessing. What is I think gonna happen? Helen is gonna bang Livingston. I got a very big dick. What's his character name? ADA what? <laughs> Alan Low. Oh, Alan's gonna get low, 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 low on Helen's junk. <laughs> the only way I could search Mrs. Ellison was to make a showing she's not a suspect. The best way of doing that was to arrest the senator. Anything else? Oh, she's no. gone too. Great. Warrants. You're right about something. We do have a new boss for Helen. And Bill Smitchevit. A cavity search? She called Judge Finkel. Apparently it's casual Friday I on the practice. Not. She took a shower before the police came. The victim wore a condom, so maybe say, there was Eugene nothing. looks good in a sweater. I also sweater. had Keith take a shower, so he should be clean. Yeah, I'd agree, Keith. What do you mean you had Keith shower? You oh my God! There's so many good things to piece together. Did I say that? <laughs> yes, you did. Well, I misspoke. I did not direct him to take a shower. He independently decided to. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. Lying fat mouth Lay liar. Lay off me, will you? If this was one of your closest friends, you broke the law. Again, I told you, close Bobby. Friends. I misspoke. 
It was his decision, and I have no affirmative duty to prevent him from yearbook, bathing you should be if arrested. that's what he chose to do. Eleanor, because this is one of your oldest friends, it makes me nervous. This is a state senator. This case Bobby, of all will people. be under a microscope. If we cross any ethical lines here, I won't. I won't. I guess we're looking out for crossing ethical bounds these days. Yeah. Volunteer to admitting. Says the guy who hid the baby. Did you find what you were looking for? Still casual. Well, it'll take a little time. Helen's in jeans. Analyze everything they found, Mrs. Ellis. It'll take a little time. I just wanted to talk to you for a minute. I'm represented by counsel, Ms. Gamble. Yes, but you're not a suspect, so whether you're represented or not... So this isn't custodial? Once the examinations are completed, you're free to go, yes. Does Eleanor Frutt know you're here? Does first Mrs. name, last Ellison, name know you're here? Know what happened here. Has your attorney explained to you that your silence could incriminate you? Gee, no. <clears throat> but as you explain it, it seems I am indeed a suspect of criminal wrongdoing, which makes this interrogation improper if not illegal. Okay, well, I guess what I'm trying to say... Well, Marsha Ellison knows her shit. You probably won't be able to save your husband from his fate, but you may very well hurt yourself and your daughter in the process. Fine. And should you ever lose your job for violating suspects' Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights, perhaps you could tour as a motivational speaker. Someone has Wikipedia. You're being dismissive, Mrs. Ellison. It would be a great error in judgment for you to dismiss me. Maybe I shot him, Ms. Campbell. There's your statement. All right. Okay. We're told, Jenny, that warrants were issued last night and that Senator Ellison's office is Great commentary you get here on the Out of Practice podcast. Speak. The arraignment was scheduled for 9 o'clock. Whether that's been delayed or not... Next matter on the calendar, criminal case number 32723, Commonwealth versus Keith Ellison. Murder in the first degree. Eleanor Frutt for the defense. Good morning, Your Honor. Helen Gamble for the Commonwealth, and that this is a first-degree homicide, we ask that Senator Ellison be held without bail. By the way, we're My roommates. client has no previous <laughs> criminal record. He has strong and extensive roots in the community. He is, in fact, a trusted government official who poses neither a safety nor flight risk. The defendant is being charged with a brutal homicide. The fact that he is a state senator should afford him no special consideration. We are not asking for favors. In fact, just the opposite, that he be treated the One same. One million bond, 250,000 cash. Thank you, Your Honor. We would also move for an immediate trial. The prosecution needs time to develop its case. An arrest has been made here. If the prosecution I doesn't have a case... I would appreciate it if counsel could refrain from posturing. What are you looking for? December. They're looking to buy time, Your I'd Honor. I'd also appreciate it if defense counsel could limit herself to representing the defendant. And get the rent check in mm, maybe a day or two earlier than she yeah, has been. Yeah, we're out of milk. Uh, hmm. But actually, there's an interesting... Eleanor made a very good point there. That Helen, by arresting him the night of, Helen is putting a clock on herself Uh you know, because people can are are due a speedy trial by by their rights, 
that she didn't need to arrest him that night. She could have built the case for another couple of days. I mean, obviously, it's possibly a flight risk, but she doesn't, she has a lot of inference, but not a lot of evidence yet. Hmm. I mean, like, it's sort of like she has a like, yeah, well, obviously, but well, obviously isn't evidence. So it is sort of a weird risk that she takes arresting him immediately. And not the Commonwealth's intentions. Trial date justifies of September by trying 24th. To get evidence from the Let's wife. conference tomorrow, set up a schedule. For now, we're adjourned. Your Honor, I'm loath to turn this into an unnecessary street fight. Oh, but yeah, I she's so adverse to confrontation. I believe when we ran counsel in her paper. zealous efforts to provide legal representation to the defendant is guilty of witness tampering or worse, obstruction of justice. What? We have been unable to interview key witnesses to this crime, people present at the scene who have been instructed by Ms. Frott not to talk to either police Ms. Or Gamble is now attempting to try her case in the press and contaminate a potential jury. Court. I am attempting to cut through a cover-up orchestrated by counsel. The district attorney anticipates not being able to mount much of a prosecution, so she's trying to establish the perception that it's our fault she can't assemble evidence. Defense counsel is again trying to represent my thoughts. Your instead thoughts are transparent enough for everyone. All right, Ms. Gamble, you will not be using my courtroom to color public opinion. I'm not doing that, Your Honor. Who are the witnesses? Mrs. Ellison and Allison Ellison, the defendant's daughter. Mrs. Ellison certainly enjoys spousal privilege, Your Honor. What about the daughter? We can't even get in a room with her. Miss Frutt, if I get wind of tampering... I'm not doing that, Your Honor. Is that right? Do these people have separate counsel? I am the family attorney. Oh, you're the family attorney. Did you tell the wife and daughter they could face accessory charges? Did you advise them it might be in their best interest to cooperate with the police? Any and all communications between me and my clients is, of course, privileged, Your Honor. And of course, I couldn't have tell, told them that. They were too busy taking a shower to get the blood off, Judge. That, well, yeah, geez. Also, I should point out for the nerds in the, uh, in the audience, so the audience, uh, <laughs> that in this scene, you see a couple of times a two-shot of Helen and Eleanor from from straight ahead. And you'll note that it seems cropped funny because by this point, the practice had switched to high-def format and a widescreen uh, format, so they had more width to fit people next to each other. But for whatever reason, Hulu only has the cropped 3x2 480i, probably 480p uh, image, so we're not actually seeing the whole episode because it's cropped on the right and left, which is why we're starting to see some shots that feel a little awkward because they've been cut off. There you go, nerds. I Mrs. Myself. Ellison and Allison, I strongly advise both of you get your own lawyers here. <clears throat> I won't order it for now, but Ms. Flutt may want to silence you for the defendant's sake, and it may not be what's best for you. In the meantime, Ms. Frutt, I am ordering That's that you make Allison available important. to the district attorney for an interview. <clears throat> if she refuses to talk, she can be subpoenaed to a grand jury. It's all for now. We're adjourned. Your Honor, with the court's permission, I'd like security to escort Allison to my office immediately. 
Why? See, that shot I right there. I have concerns that counsel might seek to prepare her statement. I object to that. I would submit if there are no plans to conference with Miss Ellison, what's the harm? Miss Ellison is also a client. And since criminal charges may possibly be levied against her, I have the right to advise. Security will escort Miss Ellison to Miss Gamble's office. Ooh, girl. Defense counsel, but not the defendant, may be present at the interview. Lois, in my office. We're adjourned. <laughs> What's the daughter gonna say? Oh, she looked back at her dad as if... Dude, the senator is pulling the strings, Keith. He is Senator Puppet Master. You heard it here first. Anywhere near him. Jimmy, you take the neighborhood. See if anybody heard or saw anything. I'll interview the employees at Mrs. Ellison's job. Lucy, you stay on top of the incident reports. Lindsay, you're in charge of jury consultants. Hire them today. Beck, I need you to research temporary insanity. He passed research. Why do I always get research? Rebecca. You always put me on research. Why can't I ever do field work? Because Jimmy and I are better at it. Sorry if that answer disappoints you. Are we sticking everybody on this one case? Yes, we are, Lindsay, because like it or not, we will be defined by this one case. We will be the firm that either won it or didn't win it. It would be nice to be the firm that won it. Everybody's got a role. She might still be pregnant, no? No, she had the baby like a year ago. Kelly Williams? Yeah. Okay. I think she's, I think that they just didn't get coverage that was in focus. (laughs) They probably were pretty pissed off in the editing room. High def isn't high def. We had just come home from the movies. High definitely not sold out, actually, so we had come home early. You and your dad? Yes. Then what did you do? I just went to my room. I think I might have gone to the bathroom first, and then I was getting ready to call a friend. And then I heard some screaming and yelling. Did you recognize the voices? Did you recognize the voices, Allison? Why is Rob Livingston looking at her? No. Okay. Then what happened? After a few seconds, I heard a loud popping sound and and more screaming. Was it was it a popping sound or was it something like this? Keith, are you saying I did it? No, I. I'm ju- I'm just saying that you know Emmy just said that she heard a popping noise and that's not how guns sound. They sound like this. It's bedroom. My mother and father. Oh, we got a uh, out of, we got a flashback, Keith. We love these. My mother was oh. crying. They just they just kept on screaming at each other. And then I looked over and saw there was a man in their bed. Oh shit! The he daughter gave him up, dude. And he was bleeding. And his eyes were open. Oh yeah, they were. Killer, killer. Did you hear what your mother and father were screaming about? No. Did you see blood on your father's clothes? I don't remember. Did you notice if there was a gun around? Yes, she is. Bobby looks uneasy here. I didn't see any gun. Allison, what do you think happened? 
if you had to guess. She doesn't have to make guesses. You were allowed to be present for this interview. You are not permitted to either conduct it or do it. I will advise my client to tell what she knows and not to formulate opinions. You want to go right back in front of that judge? Fine. Hold on. Why don't you just ask her questions? We yes, go that would Bob's. be nice. Did you ever ask your parents what happened? No. Did you know what happened? No. You didn't know what had happened and you didn't ask. Correct. Allison, did you have any discussions with your attorneys about what you might say here at this meeting? Don't answer. Privilege, work product, forget it. We're into tampering, Bobby. You think you can make tampering? Try, but don't be asking our client about conversations she had with us. So you had a conversation in preparation for this meeting? Don't answer. Whether or not the conversation was had does not I'm fall I'm instructing my client not to answer. I've told you all I know. You've told us totally all you know, do. Allison. Yes. I heard a pop and yelling. And you never asked your parents what happened here? No. I didn't. Oh, they What's really remarkable here is she's like 15 at this point. We have no new information to share with you at this time. Has Senator Ellison made any kind of statement? Senator Ellison is currently refusing to speak with us at the advice of his attorney. Mr. Lowell. Look how tall and attractive I am. Thank you. More questions. <laughs> Get that out of my face, please. What about Mrs. Ellison? Mrs. Ellison is also refusing to cooperate, which we find frustrating. Certainly, it's every defendant's right not to speak. And that right would inure Can to I the speak spouse this as well. Beautiful but square job. Particularly disappointed when a state senator person ostensibly committed to justice forsakes that I think we could be brothers, he and I. That's, you can't say that. That scared him before Judge Spinkle shut them down. Whoa, slow yeah, down. No, there, he there, cannot comment on a defendant's silence. The state bar, he's, he's, like he's a, deliberately a contaminating the jury pool. Of course he is, but if we go to Judge Finkel, he might gag all of us. We do not want that. Why not? If he's going to try their case in the press... Because we need the press more than they do. Now, we all know how it looks. We need to shape public opinion here. If we get gagged... Why aren't we at least putting out some version? We don't need to. The burden is on them. Our people were there. The prosecution can prove they were there. To yep, me, back. that shifts the burden to us. I agree. I don't. We got three possible suspects here. The senator, his wife, or the daughter. The prosecution can't nail any of them beyond a reasonable doubt. Oh, please, he's convicted now. You're just mad over doing research. Oh, that's funny. All right. We're up against oh, Helen Gamble quabble. here and a Alan Moe. We've beaten Helen <laughs> many times, Lindsay. If they prove Unnecessary this affair that gives them motive, his motive, he's being seen, his gun, he's <laughs> gone. We need to start building a theory and put it out there. The more we wait... Look, let's just see what their evidence file shows. It's too soon for us to commit to anything. Bobby, hello. Public opinion can't send him to prison, Lindsay. Are you sure for this one? I don't know. Is it good news? Sort of. Ballistics confirm it was his gun. Prints wiped clean. Trace metal. Negative. There was a pair of dishwashing gloves soaking in the sink. What about powder burns or primer residues? No, but they could have washed off if... Anything to prove the affair? Not yet. No semen, nothing from the cavity search. No blood on her, but she showered, so... What about hairs in the bed? 
Some, but they could be old. It's early, Helen. Give us time. Interview everybody at her work. Somebody had to have seen the two together. They'll never prove it. No one ever saw us. You can be sure of that. He always left before me. He had his own set of keys to my car. He'd get in, duck down. <laughs> I'd come down, drive home directly into my garage. No one ever saw him go into my house. Suppose somebody saw him get into your car. He always made sure that never happened. Okay, look. Ordinarily, we would just sit back and do nothing here. We would leave the burden to the prosecution to prove the crime. The problem, this case is so high profile that there's an enormous danger of jury contamination. We want you to tell us what happened. Isn't that dangerous? If it means you having to get other lawyers. No. Keith? No. I want your firm. Senator, the likelihood is that they will be able to prove your wife's affair with the victim. With that, with your gun being the murder weapon, with you being at the scene, with your clothes being in the washer, you'll be convicted, Senator. If you tell us what happened, you might give us something to go with. Keith, you said you were putting yourself what? in my hands. As your lawyer, as your friend, I am advising you to tell us what happened. This is great. We don't usually, this is not a, this is a twist we don't usually get. Usually they're like, the little, the less we know, the better. Right, yeah. And I'd love the client who's smart enough to not tell. The movie was sold out. So Allison and I came home early. Allison, I guess, went off to her room and I went upstairs. And I, I heard sounds coming from our bedroom. I heard a male voice. More necessary and I thought, back. I thought, I could only think that maybe Marsha was being raped mm. or, or attacked. And I got my revolver from the safe in the back of the linen cupboard and I went to the bedroom. I saw this stranger on her, and I just, I squeezed the trigger. And suddenly, Marsha was screaming. There was blood everywhere. It all happened so fast, and I, I saw this man, and I shot him. I, I didn't realize until after what well, what was what had what had really been going on you know that's compelling why don't you just say that to a jury right right you got a shot you do the problem with that the gun was wiped clean of prints your clothes were in the washer I had a suspicion confession number one wasn't going to be the, uh, seemed to have been a prepared uh, de detour. Well, and also, and like, Eleanor's point, I, I, I've, I thought about this this whole episode. Why on TV, and I guess in real life, do murderers put their murder clothes in the washer? I mean, 
A, you can't guarantee the washer is going to get rid of all the evidence. B, it's crazy super suspicious. Get rid of that shit. Like, what yeah. are you doing? That's a mm-hmm. stupid... I mean, I'm not saying I've murdered anybody, but if I did, I sure as hell wouldn't like, oh, let me drop these socks in the washer. Nothing suspicious there. Are, are, are Mad Libs still a thing that people do? Mad Libs? Yeah. Well, the next time someone does a Mad Lib and you see uh, verbs... Or not verbs, uh, nouns. I want someone to, or noun, use murder clothes. Murder clothes. <laughs> B, if you thought you were justified, why did you try to cover your tracks? I did that. It was stupid, I suppose, but... He's worked his entire adult life building his public career. And I didn't want to see it all go away because of something that I caused. I assume you will testify that from your vantage point, it appeared he was acting in defense of you. Of course. Well, then that's how we proceed. We argue mistaken defense of others. It's a form of self-defense. I'd like to make a public statement. I don't recommend that. You said yourself. That they were trying this in the press. Anything you say can be used to impeach you. I'll keep it short. It's a bad idea. It's a great idea. I mean, you can certainly go over what he plans what to say. What if he ad-libs the wrong thing? You make sure he doesn't. Mad-libs? He's going before the cameras. It <laughs> Murder goes to the same jury pool the prosecution <laughs> is trying to influence right now. And if he talks, more cameras will be rolling. Why aren't we going for a change of... Vi- you know, I think we got to give this the office to somebody else. Being boss really hypes Eugene up. I yeah, like, he he really likes it. Yeah, I like calm-eyed, just like in the corner slouching, no shits to give, Eugene. <laughs> or roughing up a perp. Venue, if you ask me. We want this venue, Rebecca. He's a celebrity here, a popular one. Well, if he goes forward with a statement now, you're married to self-defense. You can't then go on the elements. Does anybody here really believe we've got a shot on the elements? I mean, his house, his gun, he's at the scene, and they can probably prove the affair. All right, we're going for it. Self-defense is our best hope. And best we start working the jury now. I'm with Eugene. Eugene's right. Let the man talk. Eugene, too. Get a haircut, Bobby. It's You know what, Keith? I've decided. Mm. You don't like long hair, Bobby? It's just too shaggy. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I like like Bobby, you know, high and tight. Uh-huh. And a lot so of aerials. Far, it's like this the immaculate episode. affair. Although we do have one witness willing to say she saw something going on at a party. It's nothing I'd call concrete, but nobody saw them go concrete? into a motel. Did you say any of this woman's prepping to be the first lady of Massachusetts. She was careful. Yeah. You know about concrete. this press conference? Excuse concrete. me. No, for He's sure. called for a press concrete? conference. He's going on. Who? I think I've heard it done, said that way though. I should first note. I appear before you today against the advice of my counsel, who you see behind me, for purposes of a no, criminal actually, trial. You know what, it's you're best right. Remain no, she's, she's right. In in if if the evidence is concrete, that's one thing. If you fall and break your head on concrete, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Keith. But I'm not sure anybody out there really expected, uh, really believed that I was correct over uh, Helen uh, McDrud or what is it, <laughs> Judge Helen Dredd? Uh, this is bad. Holland? Did I just say? 
Holland McDrud. <laughs> we have like six hours to go, and I'm fighting. No, wake up! A fact I know. We're gonna Come get on, green tea latte. Let's do it. I need light. Being in public need. office, I enjoy a public trust, and that trust cannot faithfully be served or honored by my continued silence. Thus, I feel it is my duty to come forward. Duty. Because the public has a right to know. I fucked that guy up! On Saturday, July 12th, I left in the early evening to go see a movie with my daughter, Allison. Subsequently, my wife Film being sold out, some other dude. We returned early. You believe this? Shh. When I heard the sounds, it sounded like a physical attack. It even sounded like somebody was being strangled. I retrieved my revolver, which I kept in the house for personal protection. And I ran to the room in fear, desperate fear, that my wife, Marsha, was either being raped or worse, murdered. When I entered the room, I saw what appeared to be a struggle with a strange man on top of my wife. I thought she was being killed. As he rolled to face me, I discharged my revolver. The bullet hit him, and he fell silent. Now, I had no idea that my wife had discharged six orgasms and that she was actually in pure ecstasy and having quite a lovely Friday evening. Uh, but uh, the only thing discharged that evening from my... You know what? I'm going to stop, Keith, because I realized that <laughs> this is maybe inappropriate. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. Now back to your regular scheduled murder press conference. I'm only going to be speaking in bumpers after a it comment like that. only in the following seconds that I came to realize what was actually... Yes, I came to realize, but just that once I came to realize, my I wife... very big dick. ...came to realize six times. <laughs> Going on. Hi, Keith's mom. Oh, wait, she doesn't listen to this part. My wife was not, in fact, under attack. The passion I mistook for rage for a deadly threat was a different kind of passion. A passion a husband never wants to think his wife. I shot a man who was committing adultery, not a man who was trying to kill. I didn't realize this until... It was obviously too late. Though I will have to live with the fact that I took another human life. It is something I will never get over. In my mind, I saw a potentially deadly threat of violence against my wife. I accept responsibility. I ask for no one's forgiveness. Only your understanding. Thank you. He's good. The fact that Senator Ellison would refuse to talk to the police, would refuse to cooperate with our investigation, only to go before the cameras with a self-serving ramble overtly designed to poison the objectivity of the people he was elected to represent, I found that to be inconceivable. I found it personally disgusting. 
Did you know he'd be claiming self-defense? You know, we expected something desperate, and that is exactly what this is. It's an anemic Hail Mary from a guilty murderer. An anemic Hail Mary, Keith, also known as the only throw Phil Simms had in his arsenal. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, <clears throat> you mean uh, you get after you're so smug after all those Super Bowls that Randall Cunningham won? <laughs> Why was the gun wiped clean of fingerprints? Why were his clothes thrown in a washer? Bubby Brister wasn't was available. Was destruction of justice and service to his public trust? <laughs> Who exactly did he honor by trying to cover all of this up? Well, let me tell you this. As a district attorney, I have a duty to the public trust as well. Oh, he's even doing Richard Bay's district attorney speech better. And that's to see that when people human better. beings, they go to prison. There's no exceptions for politicians. No excuses for wronged husbands. No favors for Now, Keith, you know, I'm fine with, 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 with um, extras not being great. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. they go to prison. Hold on, let me pause right There's here. There's no exceptions Japan for politicians. across the extras listening to this No excuses uh -huh. for wronged husbands. Now, look at that guy with the camera. Imagine watching that actual feed. Look how sideways the camera is. It's not horizontal at all. And he's shooting between two heads. <laughs> That's going to be a terrible shot. That's not a good shot. No, no. No, no favors for eloquent speakers. You kill, you go to jail. Yes. And that What's is this guy's what will name? happen here. Uh, Alan the Lowe. The character. Keith. Alan Lowe. Alan Lowe. Okay, Keith is the murderer. It was mainly a feeling. Yes. Never heard or saw any actual proof. And the feeling was... They were involved. Yes. They would shoot each other looks sometimes. Flirty Folks, behavior. I just assumed it. something was going on. The lady talking to Jimmy. Lady who ain't gonna take no sass from nobody. Guys, it is Patricia Belcher who you'd know from Jeepers Creepers, Flatliners, Species, and Bones. But if you are a regular practice watcher, you would also know her as the four-person in the pilot of the practice. Yes. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals. We're dancing, but no one can see us. That's true. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize You even freeze framed her on the Instagram you met your demise At first you were a killer but now you're set free First appearance made me feel her but you had a goatee You may be fooling someone dimmer but you don't fool me We don't hear the judge but you just might be Welcome back to the practice tonight Yes, indeed Promotion extreme Yeah, right? Between them how well did you know Mrs. Ellison? Not well. We worked in the same office, obviously, but I had very little direct interaction. And the victim, Mr. McNown? He was my boss. And this party, Mrs. Ellison came with Mr. McNown? Oh, God, no. She came with her <laughs> husband. But I uh... saw them in an office together. Mr. McNown and Mrs. Ellison? and it looked like something was going on between them. I just know it. 
So what? It's not enough that we establish the affair now. We have to show he knew about it. If we can prove he knew what was going on, there's no way they'll sell self-defense. Husbands know. They always know. Well, we haven't been able to find any. Then get back out there, Mike. Dig harder. All right, all right, Helen. Mike. Keith, we've returned back to the jury piece. nullification. If we can show that he was even suspicious that his wife no, was well, sitting because, around, be, we'd be able to... No, because uh, mistaken defense of others is a real uh, defense. defense. You know... Oh, man, can I tell this story? Eh, it's not going to be on YouTube. Go for it. You're right. Did, did you murder somebody? No, but it, it, you're, you're going to be shocked how... Okay, I really have to think about this. So, <laughs> uh, one of my first apartments in, in New York, I was living, I lived with my best friend for many years. We've talked about the, that apartment on the podcast before. And our rooms, we had this big three-bedroom in Astoria, and uh, our rooms are on opposite sides of the apartment. And we you know, had many different partners and uh, flings over the years individually, and, and it was great. Great roommates basically let mind each other's your own business. That's the that's the key to being a good roommate. Truly. Um, however, one evening I, I heard similar sounds that Keith has described here, uh, and definitely, uh, definitely sounded like my roommate was in distress. Oh no. And so I, my instinct was over, no, overwhelmingly to uh, start to go into the room. And I had my handle turned. I opened the door just about three inches to know that, um, um, how do I, uh, Mike struggles for a way to say this. Well, Keith, my roommate was engaging in, um, uh, well, I guess very similar. What Terrence did, what what I thought was an attack was 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 explicit, <laughs> explicit, explicit things you should never watch your friends do. Uh-huh. And uh, I left, and we've ne- we spoke about it only once. <laughs> and now you've talked about it publicly. I've so, there's so many details I left out. And a person's name Argue you've used on the podcast on and showed a picture of him no. previously. Look, we're dead. No, I don't. You never, do never that. had a picture up. Is the guy is sympathetic? He's he's charming. He's credible, and we're dead. No, we're not. The guy caught a man screwing his wife. He blows the guy's head off, and then he says, "Oops, I thought I he was yes. trying to kill her." We'll get him. We've got nothing on state of mind, Alan. It's us against his word, and you saw how well he plays. Helen Gamble. Okay. There's got to be a big twist, right? To see us. Two hours. Should we bother to have a trial here, people? Or just put it to a referendum on the November ballot? I would gag you all right now if I didn't think you'd both immediately start with confidential sourcing. Every time you hear the word gag, take a shot. Miss Frutt, F1. you let your client hold press conferences, you will have a hard time disqualifying jurors for knowing too much. Ms. Gamble, attempt to prejudice the trial, you will find your jury challenges gone. I will prohibit you right now from making any comments concerning the evidence of this case. That goes for every one of you. Now, Common sense tells me this goes away for manslaughter. Six years, three suspended. That seems a little light. You jump at it, don't kid yourself, and so should you. 
The idea he thought she was being killed smells like crap. This was a heat Good of judge. passion murder. Let's dispose of it for what it is. I like it when he calls it down the middle, you know? Yeah. Holds both sides Would accountable for the circus With that is. With good behavior, you could get out in 18 months. Isn't that a bargain for human life-taking? She's a little bitter, and it seems like he took away good sex. Can I win Well, this? she was making noises he didn't recognize. You could, but it's a risk, Keith. And if we lose, you are looking at murder two, which carries a statutory life sentence. I just told the public it was self-defense. If I plead on manslaughter, how would that look? I think the public is sophisticated enough to know. And they believe me, by the way. Did, have, you, have you heard the HDH poll? My approval ratings are higher than before the shooting. Well, then it was all worth it. Do we have a problem? Do we have a problem? Eleanor, I was having an affair. I was fond of this person and Keith shot him. Clearly, Keith? it's not the best of times. Damn it. Leave me out of this. I don't want to plead. You can't be looking at this with respect to your political career. This is about your life, Keith. Your freedom. My life is my political career, Eleanor. You know that. And it's over if I accept a homicide conviction. As convincing as you are? To get a jury to believe that you ran in there shooting in self-defense? You don't believe it? I do. But I know you. The 12 people in that box? Are you telling me we cannot win this trial? I am not telling you that. And isn't it possible the manslaughter deal could still be available during trial? That is certainly possible, but- Then I want to try. Let's see how the trial goes. Then if the prosecution's case goes well, this deal will be off the table. 18 months, Keith. Dude, we got an hour of the practice before you we even get to the me. trial. It was mistaken self-defense. Well, it's a long The prosecution movie. knows they can't disprove that. That's why the manslaughter is being offered. We go to trial. You understand the risk. I do. Let's go to trial. Such a politician thing to do. He thinks he's just that popular, right? Let's go to trial, and this is where we will pause. And this you have gotten through part one of The Candidate here on the Out of Practice Podcast. Stay tuned next week where we find out what happens in the trial. We'll be back. Thank <laughs> you.